Hello, this is Brandykins, and welcome to another episode of the Terrific Talk podcast. This is episode 8. In this episode, I speak with Nikki D, a fellow Twitch content creator and horror enthusiast like myself, about all manner of horror topics, mainly horror films. This was a live interview recorded on twitch.tv slash brandykins. So sit back, relax, enjoy, and stay terrific, everyone. Hello, everybody out there, and welcome to another exciting, fabulous episode of the Terrific Talk podcast. And I have with me a content creator on Twitch, who is also a fellow horror enthusiast and horror lover like myself, and his name is Nikki D. So welcome, Nikki D. Glad to have you here. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for agreeing to come on and talk to me <laughs> a little bit about horror. Of course. I mean, I always love talking about horror stuff. So, you know, being yeah. here is a real, a real treat. I love, to, I love talking about the genre and game, literature, movie, TV, you name it. Yeah, I think I was mentioning, uh, uh, I think, like I just mentioned a few minutes ago, before we got officially started, that I always feel that the horror community is just like maybe just a little bit small, not small in the sense like there's only like five people in it, but just like kind of very niche, almost kind of like a very overly niche genre. And you mentioned how you um, introduced one of your friends into the horror yep. genre who didn't like really like it. Talk to us a little bit about that. So, so yeah, you're, I mean, you're definitely right in terms of the horror genre being, like, very close-knit or tight, or, like, a tightly-knit community. Um, one of the things I've noticed has been that um, usually it'll be the same streamer that I'll watch that's doing a horror thing, you know, whether it's, um, you know, someone doing horror speed runs, someone who does a lot of horror, or someone who does, like, a dedicated day for horror. And, um, you know, it's really kind of sad because I think one of the one of the things I always really liked about video games and movies and TV and, you know, and books too, is that it's the biggest thing is that the emotional, um, you know, the emotions that it evokes in you. And I think it's one of the genres that really has the ability to evoke the emotions the strongest. And um, a lot of people shy away from it. As we were talking before um, of, you know, because of all the blood and guts that like people see Freddy Krueger or saw, or hostile and they're like oh i don't want to see that it's disgusting and i can get i mean i can see why it's a very rough thing to see but like that's that's not all there is to horror i mean one of my favorite horror movies is the ring and i think there's like literally three drops of blood in that whole movie and it's people's you know noses bleeding you know so it's you can have something that's unequivocally terrifying with zero blood and I think that's something that a lot of people, um, you know, don't see. I mean, we were talking briefly about detention, which I consider to be political horror because it touches on a real political subject that was a very tense and in of itself a like a terrorizing time, but then adds on ghosts and monsters to it. And it's just like, you know, you take something that's already scary and then you bring the supernatural into it and there you go. Or you have, you know, the most recent The Haunting of Hill House, which um, – I personally didn't find that scary, but it's a great example of gothic horror, which explores, you know, family drama and dynamics and, you know, raw emotions while also with having a little bit, a little bit of creepiness to it. And I think if people, you know, saw that as opposed to, you know, just the painted on blood everywhere, then there'd probably be a lot more people in the horror genre. Yeah, so kind of ease 
people into it is yep. what you're saying and not just like right off the bat like oh well here you go like with me um my first experience was hellraiser with the guy getting pulled apart by the chain i, I love I, that series i i was six though so uh, it admittedly like scarred me for life <laughs> so i i had a similar experience um i don't remember like did you ever watch are you afraid of the dark yes back I did. on nickelodeon mm -hmm. so i watched that as a kid and i a very vivid memory of this i can't remember which episode it was but it was the one where the guy pops out of the comic book right and he causes everyone like they're like they start like drooling like purple goo or whatever it was and i remember i was a little kid watching tv in my like you know eating dinner with my parents while watching tv at the dinner table and it was a scene where the bus driver's head whipped around 180 and he's just laughing and purple goo is dripping out of his mouth traumatized me as a kid and I still remember that to this day. And, you know, that's what I got. That's how I got into horror. And I was just like, that terrified me. Here I am now. I started a horror club, horror movie club in high school. I stream horror games, you know, whenever I get the chance. I love it now, you know? <laughs> that is quite the introduction. R.L. Stein is like, I remember him as being like the, the kid and the teenage yep. Stephen King in a sense. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I remember, I remember in the library um, in – like uh like preschool basically um this one uh older girl i mean you know i think of it then i would have guessed high school but probably was like seven <laughs> you know because i was three at the time she handed me a um it was uh what was it like i eat dead worms or whatever that issue was called of, go of goosebumps and my mom was like oh i don't know that's you know that's really terrifying that's gonna scare you and i'm like mm, let's read it <laughs> you know I, and i got into goosebumps uh, or uh, I, I can't remember like this other book series, but it was called um, oh jeez, scary stories to tell in the dark. Oh, you remember that one? The oh my god, that was I remember that was the terror of my childhood. Not like for me only, but like everyone I knew. Mm -hmm. Like the illustrations were what sealed the deal on that one. Yes. The illustrations were so good and just so detailedly terrifying. I mean, the only horror illustrator I think that I can find that is on par with how creepy those were back then but like so like the same level now for me is junji ito oh, i've never Which, heard of i've never heard of him so junji ito is a um manga artist you know a manga artist writer um he did uh what was it gyo which is um about it's gonna sound silly but it and the images are terrifyingly drawn it's um like basically virus ridden sea like sea animals that are attached to robot legs that are designed to attack people it's a very weird description but when you read it it comes off more terrifying than it sounds oh. um but his bigger his thing that you know freaked me out is uzumaki which is basically this town that is obsessed with spirals and it's just he has a very just distinctive art and inking style that just makes every little detail terrifying to look at. Oh, so that's probably why I've never heard of them. I don't read much manga. I watch yeah. a lot of anime, but I don't read much manga. I so, should. <laughs> um, he does have an, there is an anime out that is of his short stories called the Junji Ito Collection. And it's a horror anthology. And basically it's each episode is two stories and it shows off his uh, art style very well. Okay, and yeah. what network is that on, or can you show it? was on it? Crunchyroll. So it's on Crunchyroll, oh, okay. and you can watch it for free. Oh, okay. Cool, cool. Yep. I will have to check that out. 
Um, you you will like it. It is oh. if you have I think it's called tryptophobia, which is the fear of, like the, you know the circles thing. Uh huh. There is one episode that will destroy you. <laughs> oh, great! <laughs> like I didn't know. Like it was. I watched it with my friend who has that phobia, and I didn't know it was gonna happen. And it started, and she just started freaking out, and I was like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry. I didn't know." Like, I'm sorry, I scarred you for life. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Oh my god," because I knew she had the phobia, but I didn't know that episode was going to have that theme. And so it was just like, "Oh, whoopsies." Yeah, it's like. There we go. It's just like we introduce people into the genre and score them for life while doing it. <laughs> yep, exactly. There you go. Okay, so this is a little bit backwards because usually I have people introduce themselves at the beginning, but we just kind of jump right into it. So let me kind of backpedal a little okay. bit. Okay. You said that you usually you play um, horror games. Um, what else do you do on your – because you're a Twitch creator. So what else do mm -hmm. you do like on your Twitch channel? Just like talk a little bit about that. So um, I'm a variety streamer, and um, true to form, that means I basically, I mean, if you can name a genre, I've probably played it. Uh, like, so right now I'm working on Red Dead Redemption 2 and Fallout 76, because I like being unique in the Twitch community. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that, but I really love open world games. Um, I love, you know, shooters, but I really love story, like a good story-driven game, which, you know, I feel like a lot of horror games have that. They have a really, really just, fun story and oftentimes are overlooked because they don't look graphically the best i mean i'm thinking a lot of those rpg maker games mm -hmm. um but you know i love stuff like that like um oh what is it called um it's a japanese horror game it was on the ps1 and the psp it's uh basically you're playing as school children in like this alternate dimension um i think i know school. what you're talking about i know see oh, I, it's like that name is on the tip of my tongue it's it's on my 3ds <laughs> like corpse party yes um so corpse party uh is just a really cool game because like it is a really fun scary story but graphically it's not impressive so a lot of people push it aside um but i since i love story games i love doing horror stuff and so whenever a new horror game comes out i will always try to stream it on my channel and um i've pretty much done that without fail with the exception of a couple things like i haven't done evil within two yet and I haven't done uh, Visage yet, which I'm really kicking myself on because that game looks great. Oh, uh, man. It's just, Visage looks so good to me, too. It's just, like, really creepy, almost like in the pee-your-pants kind of way. But yep. I think it's – I don't know if it's still early access, but not completely finished for $25 is kind of what's giving me pause right now. Yeah, I remember I did that with um, 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 the – Ink, Bendy and the Ink Machine. I was like, the Ink Machine, what's the first part of it? Um, Bendy and the Ink Machine, I mean, they just released the fifth episode. Oh. And I need to go back and play the whole thing because since it was in early access, mm -hmm. all my save got erased. So I got to oh, go through all five no. episodes, which is fine because I love the game. I think it's a very well done story and very, very cool art style. Like, that's the other thing about horror games that I love when I stream them is they're just the art styles often are very unique. And Bendy and the Ink Machine is a great example of that. talked a lot about just why you love um specific horror movies and specific mm -hmm. um horror games and your first experiences with horror but what is it if you could pinpoint uh one reason that uh, as to why you love horror so much what would that be oh um i 
the hardest part about this one is like is trying to find the why i can find why it grew with me um but like what started it all i think it was just the fact i liked it it's kind of like a roller coaster syndrome you know you you get scared so you freak out about it you know because you like if you're on a roller coaster it's like the sensation you're gonna die but you're not because you're in a roller coaster god willing um <laughs> but a horror movie is like that you know without any kind of risk you know and so it's just always like the emotional thing struck me really hard plus also a lot of the themes are just very captivating especially in psychological horror like it's just a lot of either subliminal messaging or subliminal imagery that just it's designed to captivate you and i guess in some ways it did i mean i i think that one of the ways that it did that the most was with the ring because i still remember the trailer and just being captivated with the imagery and everything and so i mean i guess i would say horror started growing with me when i was 13 when i first saw the ring um and then uh kind of in a weirdly like a kind of dark depressing tone um being like kind of bullied and slash the just kind of uh like i don't want to say outcast kid but like you know just basically kind of kept to himself had a small group of friends but you know wasn't like you know in the in crowd by any means um i used i just i really liked horror movies so i just used horror movies and horror games in addition to you know other games and movies um to really just really got into those and just really enjoy them you know examining the themes the motifs um why certain filmmaker filmmakers did certain things you know the messages behind the films even you know you mentioned hellraiser and to me hell like hellraiser is one i examined because it examines the idea of human um pain and pleasure and the intersection of that people look at it as you know a guy with pins in his head and i'm like no no it's a lot more than that like there's a huge underlying discussion in those movies and in the broader source material that we don't even think of i mean hp lovecraft's one of my favorite horror authors because of just the way he you know examines you know human sanity and those basically grew through me like i grew through high school with those and um created a horror movie club i call it horror fest because i was a creative you know 16 year old kid and we just watched horror movies at lunch and it was great and i started introducing people to a whole bunch of horror stuff continued way after i graduated like um one of my one of the club captains her sister took it over and then passed it along i think it's still going on to this day oh that is awesome yeah i popped in there uh, like uh, last year on homecoming and uh and the dean was straight up just like oh yeah no that club is still going (laughs) i was like really wow yeah your legacy has lived on exactly (laughs) so you talked about a lot of of your horror experiences whenever you were young and whenever like you were a teenager you talked about starting this um, horror club and as you well know as we grow older our tastes tend to develop and change like, um, the idea I had of scary whenever I was a teenager is a lot more different than my idea of a scary now. So, mm-hmm. like, for example, Halloween. I did not find scary when I was younger. I find it more scary now. So, are there any movies uh, specifically or books that, or games that you could think of whenever you were younger? You were like, ew, but you appreciate them more now? Um... Yes, I'm just trying. Like, so I'm thinking of, um, like Halloween was a movie I saw. I first saw that when I was a teenager, and 
that movie it bored me when i was in high school to be honest like first of all if i had to pick like between jason Voorhees, freddy krueger or mike myers freddy krueger hands down um <laughs> I, I love the nightmare on elm street series it's my favorite of those three um he's just scarier to me because he kills you when you sleep in your dreams like that sucks <laughs> you know to me mike myers like mike myers always you know struck me as the weaker of the two because if you have a shotgun, the guy's going to go down after a few shots, you know? Yeah. That, that's yeah. just natural body. Like, he's going to – he is going to bleed out. Jason is a demon. He'll eventually go away. Freddy is the hardest to get rid of. Um, so Halloween didn't really scare me. But moving forward, the slasher genre as a whole, I guess, I started to appreciate it more. And I think that's because we moved out of the camp. Um, the 80s was a huge campy time in slashers. And you saw that even get made fun of with Scream. You know, I mean, the fact that Wes Craven had enough, um, you know, common sense and just self-awareness to be like, oh, here are all the tropes that we're doing in these movies. I'm going to make a movie making fun of those tropes. I mean, that was genius. But then you have movies like Strangers. Strangers straight up terrified me just because it wasn't, they weren't supernatural. Like, they weren't like these guys that could survive a gunshot or anything. I mean, I guarantee if, you know, the victims in that movie had landed one gunshot on the on the characters, they would have gotten away. Nope, it's terrifying because it's random and completely random, and that's all there is to it. And that's the slasher genre now, is that it's much more realistic, which is terrifying to me because it could happen to anybody. You know, your next was scary because of how random it was. Um, Funny Games was scary because it was exceptionally random and also kind of played with the fourth wall in really cool ways. You know, so for me, I appreciated the slasher genre a lot as time has gone on. And also, oddly enough, um, demon, the demon genre is kind of, I don't want to say become more boring to me, but um, just it started to, it's kind of becoming what the slasher genre was. It's a lot more, like there's so many tropes now, like I mean, pick a demon thing. It's like, oh, demon comes out, possesses this person. They exercise the person. Oh, at the end of the movie, they get possessed again. <laughs> you know, ad, ad nauseum. Like, it's it, it's getting kind of dull. They need to, re, like, reinvent it a bit. But for me, definitely, the slasher genre has definitely, definitely grown um, in big ways. And I'd also say, add on to that, kind of related, the extreme gore genre a bit, too. Like, I'm thinking, you know... Um, horror movies like cannibal holocaust but now we have you know such i don't even understand how people come up with these things like a serbian film like i mean you know that is the movie i will never watch i refuse to watch it i've read the wikipedia summary and i don't need to waste my time with that anymore but like the fact that we have people that are pushing the envelope as to what is even honestly legally allowed to show in certain countries yeah <laughs> I, I think is really cool because that's, I mean, the medium is great for things like that because it shows how far we can push human emotion. Yeah. So you mentioned some, uh, um, not, so you mentioned some aspects of the horror genre that you love and some tropes that you wish just, oh, please stop, like the demon exorcism uh, trope. I know another one is the haunted house. I'm kind of tired of the haunted house like <laughs> trope, but are there any other um, horror tropes that you wish would just like die or go away or be reinvented? Um, I really want them to 
be more judicious with how they apply the found footage thing. Um, the oh. found footage, the found found footage is such a hard thing to get right because you know if the camera moves too fast, then you're gonna have an audience that's vomiting everywhere, not yeah. because it's gory, but because they're just literally just you know shaking around all, all over all over the place. Um, you have the possibility of them wanting to get other camera angles and it's like how are you getting that other camera angle one person has the camera you know like you can't get these alternate camera angles um and then there are some some cases where it's just like why do you even have a camera what are you doing like it's like um what was like there i think i was watching um i was watching uh not ghost adventures uh grave encounters the other night and there's one part where the character's like why are you still filming everything? And he's like, because I want to see all that we can possibly see. And I'm just like, <laughs> I'm like, I mean, I guess you're a TV show supposed to spoof ghost adventures. That's fine. But it's like, you're really pushing the envelope. Like, why are you like, I still think back to Blair Witch Project and that movie was revolutionary for the time. But one of the silliest parts in it is they're still filming halfway through it. And I'm like, I would have kicked that camera out of the wayside at this point and just tried to get out of the forest. Why are you still filming? Right. Like, like, uh. There's a movie that I think did this very well, though, which is um, As Above, So Below. It's filmed a lot in the in the Paris catacombs. And the way they get around this whole why do you have a camera thing is, one, they're making a documentary, so the main camera guy has a camera. But then he also is like, well, so I can get different camera angles. I've um, put uh, cameras in your headlamps. So okay. there are certain there are certain characters who supposedly on their headlamps have you know small cameras on them, and that's a genius way to get around the whole idea of why are they filming? Oh, because they're filming. You know they're doing a documentary. It makes sense. Why are they still filming after you know things go off the rails? Oh, because they're on their headlamps. They're not going to think to switch them off. You know. Yes, found footage. I would agree. Like they need to with you. They need to be a little bit more judicious about how they yeah. use it because I remember it's like the Blair Witch Project. I think is I don't know if you agree with me. I think it's what started the whole thing, and I was like, yeah, it it definitely popularized it. I mean, you yeah. had movies before like Hannibal Holocaust. I think is the first one, and I mean that movie's infamous just because people thought it was a snuff film, but. Yeah, it didn't really take off until the Blair Witch Project because, I mean, they did it well. And, you know, there's nothing more – I don't want to say there's nothing more American, but, like, there <laughs> is really nothing more American. It's just weird to say that, but, like, it is such an American thing, let me put it that way, to go camping in the woods, right? Like, I mean, everyone talks about it. Everyone does it with their friends, and I know people in other parts of the world do it too, you know, before people lose their minds at that. Um, <laughs> but, like, you know – that's such a big thing to do and then the idea of getting lost i mean they even make a joke about it in the movie getting lost in in america is impossible and i guarantee you everyone has thought that at some point but then you watch the movie and they do <laughs> you know and it's just like oh okay are there uh, shifting into different kinds of horror movies and uh, remakes. So, as you know, there has been movies um, like It has been remade, mm -hmm. and then you've got the Pet Cemetery remake right. that's coming out in April, which is kind of 
odd an odd month to put out a horror movie but it's better than it, january yeah better in january yes that is true <laughs> but are there any horror movies that were like um that came out like in the 80s and 90s that you wish would be updated and remade so remakes are a very hard thing to do for horror and, and I, I think in general too you, you gotta run like you run into the problem of is a studio remaking it because they like the movie or is it because you know they're remaking it because they want to keep the rights and they just don't have an idea right now and you saw that with you saw that problem with uh hellraiser hellraiser mm -hmm. didn't get remade but they added in a new movie that didn't have doug bradley as pinhead and um was just universally derided as just a terrible movie because they wanted to keep the rights like dimension films did it specifically to keep the rights and it was a terrible movie but you mentioned it pet cemetery and those movies turned out well because you know they truly looked at the craft at looked at the movie and were like okay how can we update this because there are truly some great movies out there that do deserve to be retold in a different format uh or not a different format just in a different way or maybe even just in a better technology than they were in the past. I mean, it itself was a TV movie, mm -hmm. you know? Um, the new one, yeah, I mean, how many people watched the TV movie? I know I didn't. I didn't see it until, like, um, hey. it was on TV way later on. Huh. And then, um, you know, then the new movie came out, and I feel like more people saw that than saw the original It just because of the medium change. Um, but then, like, I think you can also tell a different story while also this is gonna sound really weird but telling a different story while also telling the same story through a remake and i point to the the haunting of hill house with that the haunting of hill house was a great great tv show i loved it i'm really glad they did it and i really hope they follow through with their idea of doing an anthology series for it but um if you look at the new if you look at the tv show versus the two haunting movies and then the original story it's a completely different story I mean, you know, these characters, it's like, um, you know, not spoiling this for anybody, but like, you know, the characters in the TV show are uh, Eleanor Crane, um, uh, it's like Theo Crane and Luke Crane are some of the characters in there. Well, in the actual story, none of them are family members and they're totally unrelated. And the reason they're in the, sh in the uh, house is for a sleep study. You know, I mean, it's a completely different retelling, but it works. And I think when um, remakes do that, that's really cool because there are ways to tell the same story just in a different way, and it is still effective. I was looking at a list of some of the horror remakes that were going to be coming out in 2019. We already mentioned um, It and Pet Cemetery, but some of them surprised me. An American Werewolf in London is going to be remade. Yep. Um, Firestarter, another Stephen King um, movie. Um, the Crooked Man, which is yet another, in my opinion, cash grab off of The Conjuring. Oh, okay. my God. The Blob is going to be remade. Um, that, that movie is... I, that movie, I don't understand how that's going to be terrifying. I, you know. I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I'm very curious about that. And then yep. I, I know that Hellboy is going to be remade. Yep. And I don't know. I am very curious about that one. Yeah, that that that's gonna be interesting. Hellboy is an unfortunate movie, like uh, the two movies, just because no one really it, it became a cult classic, and I feel like if studios had taken more taken it more seriously, 
I mean, it could have been like instead of Marvel being the jumpstart on the superhero craze, mm-hmm. it could have been Hellboy easily. Yes, it could have. Uh, Dark Horse Comics, I think, is the company yep. that published Hellboy, and the guy that they got, um, David Harbor, I think, is an, he's an actor on Stranger Things, and just seeing yep. him yep. in full makeup, I was just like, wow. Oh yeah, he he's great. I yeah. mean, he's just a great actor. So I, seeing him on there is awesome. Yeah, I'm. I forget who's directing it. Um, I, I don't know, I don't... like offhand, but um, I know the old Hellboys. It was Guillermo del Toro who directed those. Yeah, yeah, it was. And I mean, if you give anything to Guillermo del Toro, he'll just he'll go off. I mean, you talk about how he's done things for the horror genre. I mean, you have um, you know, all the horror movies he's done. A, mm-hmm. um, and then he was going to be involved in the silent hills game which unfortunately got canceled now it could be in death stranding and then (laughs) i so was i well so i mentioned junji ito Mm -hmm. he was also um uh cooperating on that one and i was so excited for that because like he would have terrified all the americans (laughs) um but yeah you have those and then his big thing he wants to do the hp lovecraft story um on the mountains of madness and he's been trying to get that greenlit for ages. And it's just like, this man won an Oscar finally. Give him his money, and he will give you a masterpiece. Yes, when I saw that list of movies that he's like, they're completely done. They just haven't been financially backed. It's just like, if I had money, I would just be like, here you go. Make it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and, uh, the, at the Mountains of Madness, and I think one was The Count of Monte just like mm-hmm. oh my god hollywood what are you doing but i remember like the um the, the del toro film i really ended up liking was pan's labyrinth oh yeah that was that was actually a movie um that i appreciated more over time you know no. exa- again a great example of political horror because it takes place mm-hmm. in the horror of the spanish civil war um but i remember i saw that and i was like the i think his name was the ogre or whatever and he was the guy, you know, with the eyes in his hands. Yeah. They they promoted that character so much, it almost made it seem like the movie was going to be something different. So I was a little bummed by that when I first saw it. Hmm. But then as I watched it again, I was like, this movie is just really terrifying because it exposes how terrifying humans are. You know? I mean, it's a lot like The Mist. The Mist movie is great because it shows how terrifying it is when you get people, you know, together and they just, you know, are basically become cultish. Yes, uh, the mist uh, with the based off of the Stephen King uh, short yep. story. Yes. Yep. Yes, yeah, yes, with yes. Um, Thomas Paine as the main actor. Yeah. Ooh, yes. So you mentioned something about how horror movies are mismarketed. Do you feel okay? So I guess my question is that um, is there a correct way that you feel that a trailer should present a horror movie without giving too much away because the whole like idea behind horror is that you go in and like you're terrified you don't want to like be spoiled off of those scares too early right exactly um i think a really good way to do that um the best way i've seen at least recently was something like uh, a quiet place a Quiet Place did that well because they didn't show them. I think they showed the monster briefly, and I think it was in a TV spot. Yeah, I had no idea, no idea what the thing was, and honestly, probably for good reason because once I saw the monster, I was like, "This thing's not terrifying at all." <laughs> <You know? laughs> but um, I thought like it, it was just really good because they never showed it to you, so you didn't know what it looked like. Um, 
but then you can have certain things like well, I'm trying to think what's a movie that just fell flat as a horror movie recently. Um, I don't know. I can't think of one that like fell flat, but um, I, a movie that just didn't get marketed well enough was I don't know. Um, I think Hereditary might have been a good example. No, no, not Hereditary. Mother. Mother was a good movie that I'm going to say is a horror film just because that's a movie that will mess with you and it's just disturbing as all heck. Um, it, you know, it, you might call it more of a drama, but it's just, it, I feel like it, hor it, it horrifies you. Like, it's actually a horrifying film. And people went into that movie not expecting any, like, they had no idea what they were going to see. And, um, you know, and I don't think there was any way they could have mar marketed it better because Mother, you know, straight up, would have it, like it's based around this one giveaway like this one plot twist thing at the end where you're just like oh that's it and if they started showing that it would have a ruined the trip and b possibly given away the twist man yeah darren aronofsky sometimes relies a lot on twists in his movies as the aha mm -hmm. and so does um m night shalaman that's one of his <laughs> like selling points but okay um, a movie that was misrepresented <laughs> like that didn't live up to the hype. It wasn't even that it was missold. It was that they sold it as something completely different was the village. The village yes, was, yes. the village was the biggest letdown I've ever seen. I wanted to, I, if you saw the trailer to that, it looked like a colonial horror movie and I was all on board for it. But then you watch it and you're just like, Oh my God, what? That's what happened. It's like, you guys, like, I don't want to spoil it for anyone who's seen it. Or who hasn't seen it yet, but it's just like that's the twist. What? And I was just like, how? Are you, like, are you kidding? Like, why do I even want to watch it anymore? Like, there's just first of all, how how did that even? How is that even sustainable? Like, there was just a lot there that I was like, what? How does that even make sense? And the movie made you go into it and expect something that I thought at least that was more. It was going to be more entertaining than it actually was. But a movie that was. Oh, actually, a good a good thing that um, like a good example of a movie that I that I think worked, but was advertised completely differently, was Paranormal Activity three. Oh. So if so, Paranormal Activity three, um, goes off in a totally different direction than the trailer. The trailer actually, um, if you watch the trailer, there's actually a lot of scenes that don't appear in the final film. And they actually, if you watch the trailer, it looks like a totally different story is going to play out. So, like, I remember seeing it. I was like, wait, that's what happens? But what about this scene that was in the trailer? This scene that was in the trailer. These things they mentioned in the other films that were going to make sense. Like, they don't make sense anymore because they changed up the entire, the entire screenplay. It was very, like, it was very weird, but it still worked because the movie was, in my mind, effectively scary. But the it was just a completely different direction than what they were advertising i think a lot of these trailers especially like going back to the village because yeah i i definitely like see your point and they market it as heavily as like you said a colonial horror kind of creature feature like yeah. movie and then you go in there like i said i won't spoil it either for people who haven't seen it but it's something totally different and at first it kind of left me confused but I had mm -hmm. to, like, view the movie, like, several times after that to be like, you know, I really appreciate the story for what it is. It's a good story. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's like, there, and there are definitely yeah. movies where it's like, I've gone into it and been like, you know, this was a fun story. This was a good story. 
but it could have been better. You know, like I like I like the general premise, but the execution was not there. <laughs> yep, it's um, execution is everything, and oh man, you speak of paranormal activity, it's just like <laughs> I, that, that jump scares. Especially just like in the first or second one, those movies are riddled with just these jump scares. It's yeah. Like, uh, so what are your thoughts on the jump scare? Overused? Yes. I'm going to say I like the jump scare, but at the same time, it's extremely overused. And I think it's a lazy fallback if you don't have a good script. I'll be honest. Like, I think the jump scares in Paranormal Activity work. Um, you know, there's one scene that has just a purely auditory jump scare and it worked. I mean, I remember watching them in the theaters. I jumped out of my chair. It was terrifying. Um, but then, you know, then there are jump scares. There was a jump scare in the new Halloween that I've seen too many horror movies that literally I was like, like, they're going to turn around and there's going to be a jump scare. Sure enough, there was. And like, <laughs> like could call it. And it was just like. That's the problem when you telegraph it too much. And if you watch horror movies for any length of time, you get to pick up on the cues. The music stops, you know. The character starts moving slowly and is peeking around corners. The character usually says something <laughs> that indicates they're like, don't worry, what's the worst that could happen? Turns around, boom, there's a killer. Like, you know, stuff like that is, it's very easy to see, but they can still be done well. It's just they're done very lazily as well. And I feel like more so often than not, they are done lazily. So you also, you talked about just like when you saw the new Halloween, you're like, oh, I called it. Yep, there's a jump scare. So would, uh, would you agree that the more you, uh, the more like horror movies or games that you play, maybe the more you get case hardened? Does it get like harder to scare like the yes. more horror movies you've seen? Yes. No, that absolutely happens. And I kind of hate it. <laughs> um, it <laughs> I hate it, but it also, it's it's a blessing at the same time. It's a blessing in disguise because um, you start to get desensitized towards mainstream stuff because that's what you that's what you um, you know absorb. That's what's out there, and so basically it drives you into other types of horror that you might not normally consume. So for me, um, I'm trying to think of like a horror movie that I saw that was just like, what was this? Um, oh, the Ritual. So. The Ritual is this really cool Netflix movie um, that deals with four friends from England who are hiking in the Norwegian um, mountains and forests. And <clears throat> it's just a really cool genre that I never would have really checked out. I never really would have checked out this idea of Norwegian horror ever. Um, but it, it's cool. Like it's, it's just checking out that supernatural thing is um, is just really fun and adds on a new dimension of horror that you never would have seen if you don't you know i don't want to say get too exposed to horror but not get forced to branch out so you might not find i mean i don't have a personal interest in those extreme gore movies but you also would not find them unless you are pushed to find movies that are not your typical mainstream films i mean i have zero desire to watch a serbian film someone might when they're introduced to it and be terrified by it and good on them. I mean, that's, that's exploring a very, just, um, you know, it's very out there genre, but when it comes to normal horror things, I mean, I, 
it's hard to find a horror game that really actually terrifies me nowadays. But um, the ones that do, I'm just like, this is good. Like, this is very good. I think with horror games especially, it's really hard to get the atmosphere done correctly. Because for me, it's all about atmosphere. Story plus atmosphere equals a good horror game. Because when it's done right. well, it's done so well. But when it's done terribly, it's just like, come on now. <laughs> yeah. So I'm trying to think of what is the last horror game that truly terrified you? Um. Oh, well. Um, there was, let me pull up my Steam library because I remember I played it. <laughs> um. It was that game by Rhyme Games. I can't remember what it's called right now, though. Um, I played it, and it, it had a lot of really good creepy jump scare moments to it. But it also was just not great. Um, it, they basically got way too into the idea of um, exploring and like, trying to collect things to the point that it actually became a chore. Wow. And so, like, you had these really, really really good jump scare moments i'm talking like this one scene this guy comes charging towards you and i i yelled on the stream like really loud and then i'm playing it and it's like why why is this happening why do i have to find these things why do i have to do that why do i have to do this and just it was not good um but i guess a mo a, a game that really got me good um i mean i remember when i played outlast at last one was, oh my god yes you know and it's kind of outlast 2 had i not played outlast 1 would have been scarier in all honesty like i thought outlast 2 was a good game but you play outlast 1 you kind of know the tricks hmm. you know and outlast 1 like i mean because you know like okay this person's sitting in a chair that's a jump scare you know because you now played outlast 1 so you know that's going to happen um Another really good game is Dread Out. Dread Out terrified me because I'm a huge fan of the Fatal Frame series. And Dread Out's the same thing, but it's Indonesian horror. So I remember playing that on the stream and just you turn around and you have this Indonesian ghost just pop up in your face and you're just like, Oh, okay, <laughs> thanks. I I didn't need to sleep tonight. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, who needs sleep? I'll just stay up for hours. <laughs> like scared out of my mind. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um Call of Cthulhu was a game that um didn't it wasn't scary but i liked what they tried to do with it oh the the new one that just recently came out yes, yes. yeah I, I did play that and i love just the atmosphere and how true it stayed to Lovecraft. yes yes it was actually funny i i was that i watched it or i played it like shortly after watching something that was basically very similar aesthetic to it and I was just like, man, I just want to, like, watch that now, <laughs> you know? It basically just made me feel like I was in that thing. I, it might have been Haunting a Hill House. I don't remember, though. Hmm. Yeah, I have not seen the Haunting of Hill House yet. It's, like, it's on my Netflix list, along with all the other Netflix movies that are on my Netflix right. list that I have yet to get to. But uh, one on Netflix that I saw like uh, a month or so ago that I really enjoyed was The Witch. Have you ever seen that? I So I saw that in theaters. I loved that movie. I thought it was extremely well done. And <clears throat> I don't remember. I've only seen it once, but did it have subtitles? Do you remember? Um, no, I don't think it did. That was a movie that deserved subtitles <laughs> because 
they filmed that movie. That was a movie that suffered from too much realism. And because it was set in, like, you know, colonial uh-huh. New England, like, the old English was a bit hard to understand. Like, I feel like, because at that point, it's a different language. Like, you know, no one speaks English like that anymore. I mean, I feel like I could understand a Welsh person better <laughs> than I could people speaking old English. And it was just, it was a lot. It was hard to understand, but it was terrifying. It preyed on the most primal fears, and the ending was just like, what? <laughs> yeah, what? Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was kind of like I saw that at um, shortly either before or after I saw um, the the visit with uh, M.I. Shyamalan. You know, the one the two kids go to their uh, grandparents' house. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And that was also a movie that was just like, oh, that was really good. <laughs> um, but it was also just like a twist ending where it was like, what? <laughs> you know? Yeah. It was like, that? That happened? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're back to Shyamalan again. So yeah. um, Glass is going to be coming out next year. So are you going to see that? I know I am. Yes, I am, and I, I, I'm doing. This, I'm going to see that because honestly, it's nice to see the level of care he's put into it. Uh, M Night Shyamalan gets derided a lot for being a terrible director. Mm-hmm. He's not. The man directed The Sixth Sense. He knows what he's doing. If he does something well, it's just he's also one of those guys where he either does it well or it's god-awful. There is no <laughs> middle ground with the man, other than perhaps Signs. Signs was one of those movies where I was like, okay, this is good. I'll take it. Yeah. You know? Um, but Unbreakable um, was awesome. Like, or Unbroken, whatever, whichever one. Unbreakable, one. yes. Unbreakable. Like, that was great. And um, so, uh, Splice, right? No, not Splice. A what was split. It split. Sorry, <laughs> Splice is a movie with uh, Adrian Brody. <laughs> um, split and Unbreakable were great. Split was a good horror film. Unbreakable was not. It was not a horror film, really. It was like a drama action movie. And this is really cool because Glass seems more like a superhero movie, almost. And I'm really into that because it shows that he's able to work within genres to make each individual product work. You know, but at the same time, it shows that he's able to consistently move, like, two different, like, genres and have a consistent story and i th- i'm i'm hopeful for it i mean i think he has three great actors that are leading the co- leading the charge um that was probably i would say one of his biggest issues with the village was that i mean who was his big actor walking phoenix yeah i think adrian brody was in there as well yeah like it was just very it was, it was not a strong like like those characters weren't there in a strong capacity bruce will samuel L. jackson and uh, James McAvoy are the central three. Like, they're going to be fine. You know, they know how... And, I mean, after you you see Split and you see James McAvoy pull how many different personalities together? Like, 23 or something yeah. like that? Convincingly. <laughs> I mean, the guy's going to be great. Yeah, I remember seeing Split. I think a lot of the problems, too, that people still have in my... Uh, Shemmel. I never know how to pronounce his name. I always feel really bad about Shemelon. That is yeah. that... Um, People go in, I think, expecting, like, you know, creepy, creepy, and then they come out of it disappointed. So I don't know if a lot of it has to do with just, like, expectations from trailers, or I don't know what. Yeah. Oh. I, I think it, a lot of it is a shock ending. I, he tends to direct things in a way that it's like, okay, we're just going to lead to the shock ending. And it's like, 
if you have a shock ending just to have a shock ending it's going to be terrible i look back to the movie high tension it was a french you know slasher movie that was really good and then was ruined by the by the twist ending because there was literally legitimately zero way that twist ending could have worked Hmm. like it was just like you watch the movie and you're just like hold on half these scenes actually don't make sense it's like there was a car crash at one point and you're just like how did that car crash occur technically one of those cars shouldn't have even been there you know it's like it's like that's what happens when you seek to make a twist ending just to have a twist ending and i think he fell into that trap because everyone praised the twist ending in sixth sense mm-hmm. so much that it was like okay people like that let's do it again and it worked in signs a little bit but then you get to the village and you're just like what you get to the lady <laughs> in the water what <laughs> you, know? you get to devil and devil it worked i thought devil was the first one where it came back and it was like okay this is a twist ending that's actually kind of cool and i didn't see coming yeah, twist endings like that, like you said, uh, they can either like go really well or really terribly. But I was the person at the end of Sixth Sense that I still didn't get. Okay, it's not a spoiler really now because like you know it's been out for yeah. like almost twenty five <laughs> years. Bruce Willis is a ghost, and I still didn't get that because I remember I first saw it. My mom was like, "So did you like it?" I was like, "Yeah." She goes, "What did you think of the twist ending?" It's like it was good. She goes, "You don't know what happened, do?" You? I went, "No, I don't." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like when I when I watched it, I was just like, "Oh, oh," and it's like you think about it, and it all made sense. Like, and that worked. But then you look at something like The Village, and you're like, "I mean, like, yeah, that makes sense," but like how you know and like that was my issue with it yeah i think probably yeah the whole like creatures like being marketed as mainly the main central point probably is kind of what threw people off whenever the twist finally came around in the village yeah. they're probably just like wait the, like you what <laughs> yep exactly Okay, let me ask. Okay, so if there was a person who has never seen a horror movie before and they came up to you and they asked, okay, I want to be introduced to the horror genre. What is the one movie that you would show them or recommend that they watch? Not The Ring. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That movie traumatized me. Um, So I think back to my friend when I showed them Suspiria, and the reason that worked is because that movie was made in an extremely low-budget Italian horror cinema landscape, and because of that, it's extremely not realistic. Like, the blood splatter and everything, it's so obviously paint. Everything is extremely obviously colorized. Um, You know, like, just, like, the red, like, I remember there's one part in that movie, she throws red wine into the sink, and it sticks to the sink like it's red paint. And I was like, did they literally just have paint inside of a wine glass? Like, they couldn't even afford wine to put in the wine glass? Hello? <laughs> um, like, something like that is something I would show. Because you want to show them, okay, here is a horror movie that has horror themes but is not terrifying. Um, another good example would be... Um, I almost said as above, so below, but that's got a lot of jump scares, and I wouldn't want to, like, you don't want to traumatize a person. <laughs> um, you, you know, you want to have, like, a slow build horror film. So, I mean, probably something like The Orphanage from Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro would be good. Um, 
Crimson Peak might not be bad. As another Guillermo del Toro movie. Um, I'm just trying to think back to what movies I own that are horror movies. Um, a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Um, if they're into Japanese cinema, um, a really good one to show would have been uh, Pulse, to be honest, like the old Pulse, because it touches on the ideas of death and hopelessness, and it's a really just a good horror movie. But, yeah, you, you really want to get them into a movie that's not heavy on jump scares um, or too overwhelmingly creepy or morose or too overly psychological because it'll just turn them off. And, I mean, you also want to, like, you want to read the person. So if I have someone who wants to know horror but is not squeamish, I'll show them a slasher movie that's pretty decent. You know, but if I have someone who's squeamish, I'm not going to show them Hostel. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or Saw. Yeah, or Saw. Yeah. You know, like, you, you, want to, you want to know the person that you're showing stuff to. Try to find out what their likes and dislikes are. Um, you know, oh, another, another really good horror movie that honestly I want to say is a good intro, 1408. 1408 is a great movie. It's well acted. It's very just well paced, and it's not overly into jump scares. It's it gives you a lot of, you know, good downtime between big massive scare moments, and I appreciate that. And um, I actually showed that to a friend of mine, and they really liked it. They really liked it, and they're just like, "Wow, this is horror! I had no idea." I was like, "Yeah, so what do you want to watch next?" <laughs> <laughs> Another one I'd recommend is also on Netflix is another Stephen King movie, 1922. Yes, <laughs> yes, I saw that, and that was that was a really slow burn of a film, but my God, it was good. Oh, man, so that's a movie that I would tout as a good example, or a good movie to introduce someone to the horror genre. Yes. It's like, do you like a good story? Yes. Is it is it a little bit, like, you know, eh, if you're squeamish? At certain parts, yes, but that's Stephen King for you. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, it's very well done, and it, it incorporates um, ghosts and the supernatural into a story in just a really good way. And Stephen King just has a really good way of making a horror movie or a horror story not so much about the supernatural, but about the horror of humans. I mean, you know, again, I go back to The Mist, and you would think that's a monster movie. And, yeah, it is. There's monsters in it, but the monsters are really the humans. Mm -hmm. And and I thought that was just like – that was the – just the surprise and the true strength of that movie was just how terrifying humans are. Yeah, he's really good at getting down to the heart of the evil that is lurking within humans. I think, like, I agree with you, that is one of his greatest strengths as a writer. Yep. Now, on the flip side, what is a horror movie that, if someone was new to the genre, you would recommend that they do not touch with a 50-foot pole? Uh, so, it's like a truly awful horror movie. Um, well, okay, I'm going to answer this in two ways. One, okay. for truly terrible films or just movies that, you know, they would perceive as being terrible. And then movies that would just turn them off from them entirely. Okay. Um, so, Hereditary and, you know, like, in the sign, of, it would just turn them off entirely. Hereditary, I would not show immediately to somebody who has never seen a horror film. Um, because that movie is an adrenaline ride in the last half of it. And good Lord, like, I mean, me and my friend went to see that. And you can literally, like, chart the, uh, you know, the course of us staying, sitting there like this. And then at the end, me, like, 
And I, I never cover <laughs> my face when I'm watching a horror movie. That movie, I was petrified by the end of it. Um, so I would not show that. Um, any of the extreme horror movies I said, like, you know, Serbian film, I would never show someone audition as their first horror movie because audition's great. I will recommend that to them later on, but never as the first one because it's too brutal. Like you, you, there are things that while great, you have to work up to. And if you show someone that at the beginning, I mean, you can either turn them off to the genre or worse, actually make them sick. And, you know, nothing is worse than it's like you have your friend come over and then they're puking on your carpet. <laughs> you know, you don't want to do that. No. Um, but then like, but then movies that are, are bad that like, or the movies that would just turn them off. I would never show someone a Hellraiser as their first movie. I love Hellraiser. I think it's a great series. I truly love watching uh, the second one, actually. It's probably my favorite in the whole thing. And I would never show them that because it's such a campy and poorly, you know, budgeted film. <laughs> you know, you show someone it and they're just going to be like, why? There's just like, it's a lot of like cheap blood. And these characters that are the monsters don't really make sense. And I'm like, but you're missing the point. But they're not going to get that because they don't know horror, you know, <laughs> yeah. trivia at yeah. all. Sense all the time yeah. it's just like well why and, does that happen it just does <laughs> yeah and like someone that knows so like one either of us would know this but someone who doesn't really know horror wouldn't you have to not judge a movie based on the rest of the movies in the series so a reason i say that is the nun you know <laughs> i i love the conjuring series i truly do i love the conjuring one two i thought annabelle was okay i thought the second annabelle was great what happened with the nun <laughs> like that movie was garbage it was so bad and the entire like you don't want a movie this extends to any movie but you don't want to have a horror movie especially come in where you're sitting there and you're watching it and all of a sudden the first thing you think of when it ends is why did this movie exist you know and that's how I felt with The Nun. And I would never show someone that because now they're going to be like, oh, that's part of the Conjuring franchise? God, that franchise sucks. And it's like, <laughs> no, this is the one – like, this is the bad movie in that series. You know, like, the only poorly reviewed movie in that series is The Conjuring. Or, I mean, is The Nun. <laughs> and, I mean, it, for good reason. It just doesn't – it was just not a well-done movie. Uh yeah, horror movies have the curse of it, uh, franchisism, as I call it. If the first one is really, really popular, then it stands to reason that the studios just want more and more and more, and they tend to get worse as yep, yep. they go up. Saw, the Saw series is a good example of that. The first one was great. The first one was amazing. The second one, I liked up until the ending. It's just like, no. And then they just got worse as time went they, on. It basically, yeah, the Saw movies, like, I, I, I'm, I'm going to spoil them in, in a general sense here just because, I mean, it's the Saw movies. Like, you know, the story is flimsy as all heck. Um, you know, they basically just go on and on and on with just this never-ending trend of Jigsaw proxies. Mm -hmm. And it made sense that he had one in the second movie and it and honestly it was a good tie-in where it was like you know where she's like you know why they're like why are you in this game again and so she's like because i was bad to myself 
and she was just she was she was depressed and was self-harming and he was like you got to be in this game again and it was just like that really made sense the first two were great and it just devolved over and over again and suddenly you're like three proxies in and you're just like why do they exist and it wasn't until the most recent one where i was just like oh wait a minute this plays on it in a cool way where you know jigsaw is this kind of like cult figure amongst people and the proxy in this one actually has a believable motive you know but i mean you go through saws three through seven which is just weird to say jesus christ god those were bad movies <laughs> they were and then the new one that came out uh, jigsaw I yeah. was, like, highly judgmental of it at first. What I saw is just, like, it was okay. Yeah. No, it, it was a thoroughly decent movie. Yeah. I was just, like, I came out of that, like, all right. I don't regret seeing that movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't regret wasting my ten bucks to go see that movie. Right. I was just, I was, I always, like, had this thing with the Saw movies, though. Like, I wanted to be the fly in the wall of when they pitch those movies. Because it's just, like, mm -hmm. how do you come, like, I just want to be there, like, Okay, guys, so how are we going to kill the guy in this movie? Well, there's going to be two ice blocks, and they're going to fall from the ceiling and smash his head. And I'm just like, which one of the characters is the mechanical engineer again? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> how did you rig this together? It's just like, yeah, whenever I saw the reverse bear trap in the first one, it's just like, this is like a gloriously sick idea. It's just like, yeah. who came up with that? And, and then it gets, but it keeps going. And then you get to the seventh one and you're just like, how the hell did you think of that? It's like, were you like, were you looking in a refrigerator and you're just like, you know, the drawers in a refrigerator, I could kill someone with that. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's about where we got with those movies. And I was just like, you guys need to stop. Like, As you can Rube Gold someone with a paperclip here. It's like, stop it. No, you're not even scary anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, I... I yeah. No, a good movie with traps. Um, have you ever seen The Collector or The Collection? No and no. I have not. Okay, so those those movies kind of died out. They didn't get the good uh, reception the uh, directors wanted. But those – I really love The Collection as a movie. The Collector was also pretty decent. But The Collection was cool just because it introduces this new serial killer idea. And the traps in that are elaborate but also really just kind of believable – in how they are and like i don't want to spoil too much of it away but like i mean there's one trap where literally people get trapped in um a dead-end cage and an elevator crushes them and it works it makes sense like i was just like okay i could believe that you know he funneled them in that direction and they got trapped i can believe that but yeah it's it's just it's a really cool movie and the acting is not great, but the actors that matter do a good job. <sighs> just the idea of elevators crushing is just like oh, it, it's 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 a brutal scene. It's a really brutal scene. Ew, ew, ew. <laughs> great. Now it's all going to be like thinking about just like people being crushed <laughs> by elevators. Yeah, it's like the next time I get in an elevator, I'm going to be very wary. Just don't be under the elevator. You'll be fine. Yeah, that, that's definitely good life advice for everybody. Don't get under an <laughs> elevator. Yeah, exactly. Make sure you're getting in the elevator, not under it. Exactly. 
Oh, man. All right, let's start winding down here now because, okay. wow, I've been looking. We've been talking for a little over an hour. That's I love it, though, getting off on these discussions. Yeah, this um, is a great thing. You talk to two people who are, yeah. like, really into horror stuff. You know, they can just go on and on and on. Yeah, sometimes you have just to be like, ah, okay. But let's take a look here in chat if there are any questions. Um, uh, someone earlier had a question about um, – an opinion like someone goes i have a movie called uh jeepers creepers any opinions on that or terrible moments i should be aware of um so jeepers creepers i've only seen the entirety of the first movie i haven't seen the second one and i haven't seen the third one or i haven't seen all of the second one. i have seen have not seen any of the third one um i liked it i mean it, it was a good movie it wasn't great by any means um it was a fun monster slash slasher movie and it, 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 it's, it's that kind of horror movie that taps into the camp really well because you can have a movie that knows it's campy and makes jokes. <laughs> and it does that. That movie does that a lot. And I really dug that. Um, the monster is a cool design. The lore behind the monster is cool. It's just that, you know, it's just it, – it, it becomes a slasher movie. Like it becomes a stereotypical slasher movie after a while. So you're just like, you know, that's okay. Yeah, but it could have been more. Yeah. Um, but there, there are brutal, there are, not brutal, um, but just there are gory, mo gory moments in the movie. Yeah, it was like a weird, almost like cross between a monster movie and uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's a really good way to describe yeah. it, actually. <laughs> really good way to describe it. <laughs> and it's just like one of my favorite things about the movie um, was the way they incorporated the song Jeepers Creepers. Jesus and <laughs> yeah like just the fact that, like for some bizarro reason this monster is attracted it will be signaled whenever that song somehow mm -hmm. plays which just is kind of cool in the sense that, like when the song plays is that truly random or is that <laughs> you know the monster like you know is one of the, like it extrapolate that a bit if you're on the can and you hear the song jeepers creepers are you going to get killed on the toilet? Is that basically where we're going with that? You know, like it, it's one of those things. And it, like, I thought that was a really, really cool idea that it was just, nah, you know, another question is what did you all think of the faculty? And did you know it was the inspiration for the obscure game series? Um, I saw so the faculty was a movie that I'm just purely neutral on. I thought it was okay. I, I, you know, it, it was good. It didn't, you know, it didn't rub me the wrong way. Like it, I didn't come out of it being like, oh, this is a bad movie. But I was like, you know, it didn't, it didn't wow me. It, it was fun. But um, I did not know it was an inspiration for the obscure horror for the obscure game series. And I found obscure to be one of my favorite low budget horror series in games ever. Um, straight up. Um, what was it? It was. Um, Obscure the Aftermath on the Wii. I played that, and I just had a great time with it. It was just really, really, really fun. It was campy. It was it, it like it, it wasn't full of itself. It just it, it knew it was a silly horror game, and it went with the whole silly horror game idea. Uh, so and it's and it's co-op too, which I really I think I think it's co-op. Maybe it's, maybe that's the PC version, but yeah, no, it's definitely um, a fun game to try out. 
someone else asks, um, is one of my mods actually. Hello there. Um, how about the Babadook? Oh, what are your thoughts on the Babadook? <laughs> Uh, you mean, have you seen the meme of our gay icon, the uh -huh. Babadook? Uh-huh, yes, I have. <laughs> First of all, I love—I don't know where that came from, but I love how that exists. <laughs> um, but the Babadook is a great movie because this was what I was talking about way at the beginning, where if you look into the deeper meaning of a movie, my God, horror movies are great. Because the Babadook, if you just watch it as purely a scary movie, it's a terrifying film. If you watch it from like an analytical point of view, it's a great examination of the horrors of being a single mother. You know? And that was the thing that when I was watching it, I was just like, I that I couldn't get out of my mind was like, oh my God, they just tell a great story about like how terrifying it is um, and the stresses of being a single mother. That's amazing. You know, I was, I was like, I totally forgot the horror aspect of it. I was just like, <laughs> that was really cool. So I, I thought the Babadook was a masterpiece, to be honest. Yeah, and also don't be a dog in a horror movie. My gosh! Oh Aaron, my god! That really bothered me. Like, and I've seen like dogs die in horror movies before, like you know, in the in the thing and other movies. But yeah, that yeah. Spoiler alert: If you're a dog in a movie, you die. And the Babadook, just the way that dog went, I was just like, it made me actually ball. <laughs> oh no, my god! The the worst dog death I've ever seen in a movie was in Funny Games. And it was just because, like, it happens off screen, but when you find out that it happened and when they reveal it to you, it's just, like, if that happened to my dog, I would have been devastated. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't see that movie. <laughs> well, you know, you actually – so Funny Games is actually something I really encourage because yeah. it messes with the fourth wall in the best of ways. Like, um, the, the, they break the fourth wall almost every other scene, and it's just – it's really cool because it basically is like playing with the idea of do the villains know that they're actually in a movie? Hmm. You know, it, it's really it's a, it's a cool idea. So minus the whole like brutal dog death, it's a good movie. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it, it's it's an extremely brutal movie in general. Um, really well acted. Has Naomi Watts and Tim Roth in it as oh. husband and wife, and there's it's also um so that's the Eng American remake. Um, the original was directed by the same guy as a German film and, uh, same premise, same exact thing, but it's just really good. Like, it's just a very brutal, but very good, like subvert subversive movie in film culture. So funny games. Okay. Another one that I will add to my list and just uh, drink a lot of wine when you won't get to the dog death part. Okay, yeah. I'll have, like, a <laughs> lot of tissues and stuff like that. Like, <laughs> Ooh, um, has he seen Overlord yet? Good question. Have you seen I have Overlord? Not, I have not. I want to. It looks really cool. It, it basically – it looks like Nazi zombies as a film. I'm down for that. <laughs> <laughs> like, it just it, – that's what it seems like. It seems like – and it looks like Nazi zombies as a movie, and it just looks fun. Yeah, Nazi zombies, a trope that I won't get tired of. <laughs> I mean, zombies is zombies is the undead version of Nazis, basically. You can, like, as a kid, I got around the whole being, an, you know, not being 17 to play M-rated games with my mom because she was like, honey, it's terrible if you, you know, you shouldn't play these violent games. But mom, I'm killing Nazis. Or, but mom, I'm killing zombies. You know? Yeah, it's like it's not like I'm actually just like shooting like innocent civilians. 
They're evil. They're Nazis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or they're undead. Yeah, it's just like, and what are people going to say? No, don't do that. It's, just, it's the same thing like with Wolfenstein, the new order. And yeah. I haven't played the other one yet, but it's just like, yeah, who cares if you're hurting Nazis? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No real people, just Nazis and zombies. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yep, exactly. Okay, oh, so then another in general question. What do you think of general Asian horror films and the American remakes of them? Oh, oh okay. I got feelings on this one. Okay, share. Um, <laughs> okay, so this is kind of like um, – this is like the M. Night Shyamalan problem where like one worked and then they just ran with it, you know, where like the twist ending worked. So he just made it in every movie. The ring was great. I loved the ring. The ring is an example of a movie that you take from another culture. You remove all the culturally, um, you know, specific things. Like if you watch Ringu, there are so many things that if you don't know anything about Japanese culture will not make sense to you at all. They got rid of those and made it, you know, very much an American, you know, movie with images that would traumatize Americans. That worked. The Grudge worked because there's a big American, you know, foreign resident culture in Japan. So having a white girl taking care of people in a house or having, you know, a white family living in a Japanese house is not weird. That's very common in Japan. Where it went off the rails, Pulse. Pulse was a good idea but just not a great script poorly acted um one missed call and the eye is where this entire idea of um asian remake american remakes of asian movies just went bad um uh, one missed call was just laughably terrible and the eye just the eye was a movie that suffered because of its lack of cultural um tie-ins like, the Chinese cultural tie-ins in the eye made that movie. Trying to do that with an American context, it just didn't work. Um, One Miss Call was just bad. It was just a terrible movie. Uh, that was already kind of like a kind of quasi-laughable execution in the <laughs> Japanese one. But it was it was okay. It was okay as a Japanese movie. But, like, the American one was, was terrible. Um, the Grudge went too far. And, honestly, The Grudge went too far in Japan as well, mm. um, where they even ended up having um the villain in the japanese ring and the japanese grudge fight it off freddy versus jason style i'm not even kidding it's called sadako versus uh uh katako it's actually a real movie and it's wild it is a, a romp <laughs> um but that's like with the grudge in america they made the grudge one the grudge two both of those were okay then the Grudge Three was just like, what? What the heck? <laughs> and then the Ring Two, just I don't know. The Ring Two, the script wasn't all that great, but the idea was okay. R Rings, the most recent one though, was trash. <laughs> yeah. But it's basically like basically I would say, what do I think of them in general? They're good when they're done well, which I feel like is an obvious statement, but also it's like you're taking these movies that oftentimes are tied to a certain culture. And that's the same for anything. Like if you take an American movie and remake it for like an Indian audience, for example, you know, you're going to have those cultural aspects that are missing that made the movie in the first place. And you really have to be good with um, making those 
cultural aspects new in the new movie. Like the ring worked because they made new cultural tie-ins. You know, the ring two didn't because it was just kind of continued out the same. <laughs> it's like, well, here you go. The first movie did good, so I have another one. Yeah. Yep. All right, and then basically, we, and then one last question we have here is like uh, your thoughts about the host. I thought the host was a really good was a really good monster movie. This is the one with the like the uh, kind of like weird sea creature where they try to rescue the kid, right? Uh, that I couldn't I couldn't tell you because I haven't seen it. <laughs> so, oh okay. So I mean, I'm thinking of the South Korean one, which I think is what they're talking about. Um, and the, and I thought that was a good movie. I mean, I thought it was basically it's basically just a fun kind of weird like South Korea. It played out the South Korean revenge cinema pretty well which was kind of weird um you didn't really expect that from a monster movie but you watch that and it was just really fun um and it was just like the monster was done in a cool way the characters were done in a cool way i really just liked the way they executed it and it played off an already entrenched non-horror genre really well all right don't, don't watch the stephanie meyer host though that movie's terrible yeah it's just like that's the one i immediately thought i was like well i don't think that he's talking about that one <laughs> like, what because i would have been like really yeah <laughs> yeah exactly no don't don't do that one all right so where can people find you on the interweb so like if they want to watch your stream like if they want to see like what you post on twitter or other social media so where could people find you so um, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at NikkiD1. Um, so someone had the original account. Goddamn them. Um, <laughs> Damn it. But then, you can, but then you can find me on Twitch at just NikkiD. So if you want to know the spelling of that, it's literally just this. Yep. Ah, very, so very straightforward. And yep. when, when are the days and the times you usually stream? So I usually go live um, at 9 p.m. Eastern, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Fridays, um, I do stream at night on Fridays, either starting at 9, maybe a little later, just because, you know, it's the weekend. And then that those will go on for, I mean, maybe four or five hours. I tend to end my Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday streams um, after three hours just because of work the next day. Mm -hmm. And then Saturday, um, it's either in the afternoon or in the evening, it really depends as to um, when I'm doing something on the weekends with friends of mine. Gotcha. And any horror games you're going to be playing? So um, any horror games I'm looking at right now, um, the one that I'm really interested in that they unfortunately haven't given a release date for is Scorn. I've been keeping my eyes on this one for a while now, and it's based off like the art style is based off of H.R. Geiger. Uh -huh. And I am so, so into this. Because, I mean, if you guys don't know, H.R. Geiger is the guy who did the art style for the uh, Alien movies. And his art is terrifying looking. And basically, it looks like what we could have had with Agony if Agony wasn't trash. And I'm just really hyped for that. Um, other games that are out right now, though, Probably Visage. Probably going to pick that up, to be honest. And then also finally going to fi finish Bendy in the Ink Machine. All right. So we have that to look forward to like from you in the future. And 
I don't know. If I'm not already following you on Twitch, I definitely will. I know I'm following you on Twitter. Sometimes, yep. so I get the two, those two like wires crossed. Like, well, I'm following him on Twitter. I that happens all the time. It's, so I will definitely like check and make sure and yeah, check your check your broadcast out because I had not had a you. chance to yet. What? Also, I am just want to do a quick plug. I am doing a charity for the whole month of November. So um, it ends in two days for Movember. So if you do pop out, please feel free to consider uh, donating to that amazing charity as well. So, wow. Now we've also been going for an hour and a half, but <laughs> I, it wasn't tedious at all. It was an absolute pleasure to have you on. Thank you for taking your normal stream day and coming and talking with me about horror and horror movies and games and horror stuff. I appreciate it. No, thanks very much for having me. And, you know, it's always fun to talk to someone about horror, you know, because I feel like everyone that's really into the genre is just super passionate about it. And, yeah, I'm just thanks for having me. And I, you know, can't wait to see what horror games you play next. And just real quick, how excited are you for Resident Evil uh, 2 coming out soon? Super excited. Yes. Yeah. And the same engine as Resident Evil 7. I'm thrilled oh, about that. Oh, man. The next um, game, creepy game, I'm going to be playing is Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice. Oh, I need to check so, that one out. Yeah. I need to check that out. I've seen that, I've seen that game. It's on my Steam wish list, and it, just, it looks great. Yeah, so that's the one that I'm going to be trying out next after I finish my playthrough of Fallout New Vegas. Oh, have fun with that. It's yeah. a great game. <laughs> well, again, it has been an absolute to have you on thank you very much for having me yeah absolutely and i definitely know i'm going to be talking to you again soon <laughs> absolutely <laughs> take care see ya Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode of Terrific Talk. If you have any feedback for me, please leave it on my Twitter at Brandykins1982 or at the official podcast Twitter at Terrific Talk. So until next time, stay terrific, everyone.